0: Cool. I am also recording. One.
1: My... Oh. Two. <laughs> I didn't know you were still doing stuff.
0: No, you're good. You're good.
1: Okay. One. Two. Three.
0: Four. Five. Six. I just realized that my my waves were very small, so I moved my microphone closer to myself.
1: There we go. So yeah, as I mentioned beforehand, I went to a wedding last night, so if my voice sounds extra scratchy, that might be why. <laughs>
0: I'm assuming the magic, not the magic. Excuse me, the music was excellent. I don't know why I said magic.
1: The music was good. It was it was a magic, a magical evening, a magical yeah. afternoon. So we were talking about how like, oh, I can't believe we're only leaving at ten thirty. Don't we normally go later? And they were like, well, wait a second. Normally, like the last few weddings our friend group has been to, it's like okay, we'll have a ceremony at eleven, and then the reception will start at like five. This one had everything in like one like. Ten hour streak, so it was like okay. Ceremony, oh wow! C- ceremony two, pause for uh like like the social interaction, and the wedding party takes pictures. Okay, now mm-hmm. dinner uh, or speeches at four. Dinner at five thirty. Dance at seven thirty. Go. <laughs> and it was really nice, very efficient, really fast ceremony. There weren't any like extra speeches or like musical interludes or Bible excerpts during the ceremony. Yeah. And the bride's party had a very a very subtle Sailor Moon theme.
0: Oh nice. Yeah.
1: Cause like I actually w I didn't even realize that one of my other friends was in the bridal party because when I saw her in her like very nice royal blue, like slim dress with a little Mercury necklace, I just thought that was something she'd wear normally, because it is. <laughs> and then I see her going up there, I'm like,
0: oh no, it's part of the theme. Nice. <laughs> I hope they took pictures doing like the sailor since she poses.
1: <laughs> I will have to ask the bride if that happened. Um, and the bride herself, she her wedding dress, like she had bought a wedding dress, but then she and her mom hand embroidered tiger lilies onto it just to spice it up because she was like, yeah. "Oh, this is too this is too plain for me." Like I love I love most of the style, but I could embroider stuff onto the bottom of this. <laughs> So yeah, I'm Boyder Tiger Lily designs on it, which is great, because then it also matched the color scheme for Sailor Venus. Uh and then the groom is also matching in a white tux with orange like vest and tie. Mm-hmm. And th- and then I was like, so like, did you did you tell your mom to to dress in like the blue with some red accoutrement as like a subtle moon princess theme? Or
0: <laughs> is that just convenient? Yeah. yeah. God, that is like some Shannon and David level wedding coordination.
1: <laughs> I mean, because th- this was subtle, Shannon David was very like explicitly Kingdom Hearts.
0: <laughs> That's true. They were holding Keyblades in some of their wedding pictures.
1: <laughs> yeah, this this was more subtle. The, the main things were like the ring bearer boy had a little uh, Link cap, and he was holding the rings in a little chest, and we were all waiting for him to open the chest and for a little thing to go da na na um unfortunately that did not happen.
0: Oh, and man. then
1: the they were played out of the ceremony by one of the one piece theme songs and then the, also the one of the kingdom hearts songs played during the dance section.
0: Nice.
1: And the reason my voice is so shot is because you also have to sing along to the songs too especially when it's the nostalgic jams <laughs> that all of yes. my friend and group likes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like no one was dancing to Black Parade but everyone was singing along to it.
0: Mhm. Uh-huh. I did, in fact, send Ryan a Spotify playlist to play last night that was entitled Songs that Get White People Turned.
1: Oh, so it's your fault that he played all of the (laughs) 90s dance crazes.
0: (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Although it's also kind of a a community effort. I wasn't the only one, but I was the one who came in with a playlist.
1: (laughs) I did tell him that if he played the bunny hop or Sweet Carolina, I was going to throw him off the stage.
0: (laughs) Why the bunny hop? oh it's so
1: like even the chicken dance is less repetitive than the bunny hop that's true bunny hop goes on forever
0: i've decided that i have to have the chicken dance at my wedding should i hopefully when i get married
1: yes chicken see we started with the chicken dance like get that out of the way immediately
0: yeah <laughs> hey do you want to start a podcast yeah we should do we should actually talk about the book that we read for today the whole book this time as we go marching, marching, in the beauty.
1: Welcome to Loser Like Me, a podcast that is normally about uh, Glee and associated and sundry Glee projects. And it might be soon, uh, because the writers won their strike, and the actors are meeting tomorrow as of recording.
0: Hey! You love to see it!
1: We do love to see it, so hopefully everything goes well. Hopefully the Itty Bitty Titty Committee has been scared out of their board, because we came even for Drew Barrymore.
0: (laughs) It would be... Look... I I just love that it is that we are still having the rising tide of unionization. It's like, oh, hey, so the writers won their strike and are currently, I think, voting to review and accept or reject the contracts that were negotiated. And like the actors are still on strike and voice and video game voice actors have also voted to strike. Voted yes. to not on.
1: Yes, they've approved the strike. Should things fall through?
0: Yes, and like, animation and effects studios are unionizing and organizing.
1: And even beyond entertainment, the auto workers are on strike. Yes, still, and Biden's going to be on the picket line with them, or was on the picket line.
0: He he stopped by one day for like fifteen, 15 minutes, apparently. Which like, I hope they stay on the strike for a, for. Long enough that he can go back and be there for more than fifteen minutes, <laughs> yeah, but it's it's really great, especially since one of the striking plants is one that I have driven past quite a lot, oh cool, but yeah, now that the rider strike is wrapping up, and hopefully the sag after strike will be <laughs> hopefully they have they have a m p t p over the table and in like a headlock so that they can <laughs> get their contract the way they want it to. We might be talking about Glee again next, maybe next time you hear from us.
1: <laughs> we Hopefully. Will see.
0: But we're not talking about that today.
1: For now, we're talking about another book by Chris Colfer, one that I actually read. Hey, Christina, I read this in one sitting, which is really exciting because it has truly so long since I've actually read a book properly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I finished, well, first I finished reading my book on burnout, finally. <laughs> which is really nice and helpful. And then I finished... I read Stranger Than Fact Than Fanfiction over the course of like squeezing in like five minutes of reading while files copied over the VPN for work, mm-hmm. and then I got that done in about like a day.
1: It do- it goes down easy.
0: It does, and especially since it is a fairly quick read, like I think my total. I I did write down a general a general plot note, but it's maybe like one and a half, two and a half pages. <laughs> Which is about as long as my glee notes usually are, so.
1: I did not take any notes, uh, because (laughs) I was just trying to read as much as I could.
0: I, I read, and I also have a lot of, well, I say a lot, but I have some favorite passages and stuff tabbed out in the actual physical book that I got from my local library. Nice. So, if we need to reference specific things, I have those handy. But yeah. So, should we, like, read the blurb or something?
1: Sure. Ahem. Cash Carter is the young, world-famous lead actor of the hit television show *Whiz Kids*. He's a favorite of the tabloids and paparazzi, who take notice of his every move. Who is he dating? Who are his friends? Everyone wishes they could be him, or at the very least, get a close enough selfie. When four friends jokingly, <laughs> four four fans, <laughs> when four fans jokingly invite him on a cross-country road trip, they are shocked when he actually accepts their invitation. Getting a taste of the spotlight, this unlikely crew takes off on a journey of narrow escapes from photographers, not-so-glamorous mishaps, and surprise turns. But along the way, they discover that the star they love isn't the picture-perfect person they've seen on TV. Cash Carter has secrets, big ones that no one else knows about, and they just might tear his image apart.
0: You're tearing me apart, Lisa!
1: It's also amusing that on the back page where it's, like, about the author, at no point do they mention Glee.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, because by- because this book came out in- First edition was February 2017. So by that point, Chris Colfer had already written, like, 30 books in the Land of Story series, which all ended up on the New York Times. (laughs) Although, even though they don't mention Glee in his author bio, this book is steeped in Glee.
1: Yeah, this is clearly, like, I don't want to assume, but this is definitely inspired by Glee stuff.
0: It's kind of like a... Chris, I hope writing this book was therapeutic for you. I hope this helped you get out a lot of negative feelings about being on Glee.
1: I gotta imagine it was.
0: Yeah, hopefully it was very <laughs> cathartic for him. Although, I do appreciate that the dedication, I think, is written is written to Ashley Fink.
1: I'm pretty sure it is. Nice. Yeah. To Ashley for being the best friend a guy could ask for. Since your memory is much better than mine, you'll have to remind me which parts of this book actually happened.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, I do want to say, my first mm-hmm. gripe with this book, when I was concerned that I wasn't gonna like it, comes from the first chapter, when it explaining, the, like, the premise in more detail, like, oh yeah, it's this awesome science fiction show called WizKids, and it's been airing for the past nine years, and everyone's obsessed with it. And it yeah. follows the characters Professor Lock Uncle, and, like, Julia Peaches yeah. Peach Tree and Dr. Fuzzle.
0: Yeah...
1: And like I, I, I get what Chris is trying it's to like get at, but Chris also at no point was I able to tried. Take- <laughs> at no point was I able to take anything seriously or believe that other people were able to take anything seriously when one of the characters was named Bumfuzzle on the show within the show.
0: Yeah, it's like you could have tried, Christopher. Could have tried a little bit.
1: You know, I think he did try. I just don't think he... Obviously, he's coming from a perspective of he is the celebrity who everyone's obsessed with. Mm-hmm. The, a, cer- a certain je ne sais quoi is lost when he's writing it from that uh, perspective in reality. Yeah. But yeah. but also, like, I don't know, maybe he's just been write- writing too much Land of Stories and he forgot to shift everything back to... <laughs> there was some... He still had one foot in the middle grade.
0: Yeah. And a part of it, too, is maybe that, like... Kids is supposed to be a TV show that, like, that is aimed at kids, (laughs) or at least was aimed at middle grade kids, and now the protagonists of the story all have graduated high school. Yeah. It'd be like being mad that the Wiggles are called the Wiggles.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that is kind of it.
0: But if the Wiggles had, like, I don't know, lore?
1: I think they do. I think there is a deep Wiggles fandom that I'm not gonna look up.
0: I will not be doing that either. But I I, I do want to mention that this book has a pretty nice opening sentence. And two opening sentences. <laughs> it wasn't WizCon unless someone was trampled. At least that was how the employees of the Santa Clara Convention Center saw it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like a ConCon-level convention, but just for WizKids.
0: Yes. And it is rabid fandom. <laughs> like, it kind of gets introduced with, like all of the fans who are out there waiting to be led into the convention complaining and they're all dressed in costumes that reflect like everything that Chris Colfer has picked up about Dr. Who by proxy. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, it's kind of just like everyone, all the fans going nuts and like, stampeding and running people over to try to get to the convention hall where the big, like, panel with the stars and the producer of their favorite TV show are, and, like this is where we get introduced to Cash Carter who is the at the time 22-year-old star of the show, he plays Dr. Bumfuzzle uh,
1: truly we should sure to make a drinking game but every time the book says Bumfuzzle <laughs>
0: I'll drink my coffee if you drink whatever you're drinking.
1: I got water to keep my vocal cords normal.
0: Good, water is good for you. I also have water, but my coffee is hot, so I'm drinking that first. And we, we meet Carter Cash as he is dissociating and high off of multiple substances in the backstage bathroom at yeah, this he's, convention He's on
1: painkillers and weed gummies, and I think he takes some alcohol too.
0: Yes, he drinks. Yeah. He drinks his painkillers with a shot of alcohol, <laughs> so it's like he's presented as being under a lot of pressure from the fans, from management, from society, and everything. And at this point, he is on and he is on enough substances that he is just like completely displaced from the flow of time.
1: <laughs> exactly, he is he is exited linear time. Well, because he's trying like even before he takes the substances, he's just trying to. He's intentionally trying to dissociate in the bathroom because it's the only place that's quiet.
0: Yeah, for someone who spends so much of his life in loud environments and being screamed at by fans, he's like, I just want quiet, please, God. Mm -hmm. And then everyone is like, okay, it's time for the panel, but first, time for an intervention.
1: Yeah. Here's, Here's another thing that kind of bugged me as I read on. So like, over the course of this book, we get to learn the Cash Card was a real boy. At, at no yes. point do we get the sense that potentially maybe his co stars, uh, Amy and Toby, are also going through the pains of fame.
0: Yeah, yeah. We just. <laughs> the impression that the narrative gives us of Cash's co stars is the same impressions that Cash is sticking to about them. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't care enough about them to worry about their inner lives. <laughs>
1: (laughs) The implication is they don't have inner lives. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, like, I understand that, especially because, like, for every celebrity who is, like, desperately trying to stay a normal person in the grip of fame, there are, like, two or three celebrities who just fully fling themselves into it. Yes. But it is weird how, yeah, we spend the whole book being like, yeah, Cash Carter is the celebrity bad boy, but he actually has, like, deep-seated traumas and a family history. And the other two were just, like, Birth fully formed from Hollywood, I guess. <laughs> well, we we do get a little bit of implication with Toby that he also used to be a normal human, and then he got jealous of Cash's fame, and so he just threw himself into it harder. Yeah. It is unfortunate that it sounds like Amy was always, like, influencer girl. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not gonna blame this book for hating on influencers, because that I get.
0: Yeah. It's just, like, the celebrity side of this book, it is just so bitter it is the the celebrity side of this book is chris colfer saying i'm never gonna act in another thing in my goddamn life because i have so much money from making all of these kids books
1: yeah <laughs> and they are
0: so much more fulfilling maybe if, i don't know if chris, if chris is acting something
1: again he's gonna be like he's gonna be in charge of the rest of the casting so he also can only cast normal people yes I hate to break it to chris colfer but you're also you're not quite a normal people either you are also too famous. You are also the bad boy of Glee, Chris.
0: I mean, I would argue that's not exactly true. We all know yeah. who, <laughs> we all know who the actual bad boys. Of oh Glee my God! Are. You
1: know what? You're right. Actually, Amy <laughs> Evans is just Leah Michelle. So you know what?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But yeah, they get cash out of the bathroom after he's loaded up on substances, and they get him into an intervention that's like less concerned for his well being and more concerned for him wrecking the show.
0: And. They mention in particular that, like, when he signed his contract for this show at age 12, Twelve. <laughs> and when the contract was renegotiated in season- for season 6, and presumably that's still the active one, they mentioned there's no, a morality clause. In, they say
1: that they just finished season 9 and they're going into season 10.
0: Yeah, yeah, but, like, they mentioned that, like, they renegotiated the contract, but they kept- Oh, it's still
1: the present contract. And
0: it's- yeah, yeah, the, but the present contract still contains a morality clause.
1: Yo, dog, morality clauses are fucked up in general.
0: They really are. And they mention that, like, Cash has been seen, like, uh, basically just, like, being a public disruption. And, like, being photographed, you know, like, drinking and doing drugs. Which he can do, since he is 22. hmm But they're like, Aah! And then, like, we get to see, like, the panel of the Q&A, and it's hosted by this really annoying influencer.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. It's hosted by a really annoying influencer, but also, like, a television pundit and a critic who hates it, which is, like, that's not something that would happen. Like, yes, influencers host, like, TV panels all the time now, unfortunately, but it's usually just the one. And they always get someone to host the panel who actually likes the thing. I don't know Mm -hmm. why they would get someone to, like, they have an old, like, bitter TV critic who's like, this show is terrible, what's the point of it? And it's like, why did you bring this man here unless you're gonna be, like, drawing and quartering him for the masses live on stage?
0: I'm just imagining that it's like, Chris Colfer's like, I'm going to take the three types of people that I hated talking to about Glee and condense them down into these three people. This guy, the critic is the guy who, is the guy who hated Glee for being camp. The TV pundit is the one who got upset at Glee for being gay. And the influencer is every rabid fan who accosted people on set.
1: Yeah, the influencer is the one who is sending hate mail to Max Adler for daring to kiss Chris that one time. Yeah. Scripted.
0: Yeah. And the panel is kind of just nothing. Well, it's nothing because we don't really care. At least I don't really care about what goes on in the panel. Because it's like, it's just a show. That is not expanded upon. And the only the only reason that we even need to worry about having the show in particular. Is because we then get to meet the four protagonists. Who are all kids from an actual town in Chicagoland. Uh, which is called Downers Grove. <laughs> and these are four kids who all grew up loving the TV show WizKids.
1: They have devoted their entire personalities to WizKids.
0: Yes. <laughs> we have Topher, which is short... For Christopher.
1: Hey! hey. Who, is,
0: well, okay. who is the leader?
1: <laughs> it did take me a minute to clock that.
0: Yeah. His last name's even, like, Collins or something. So CC as well. Yeah. And he has a brother who has cerebral palsy that he helps take care of.
1: Yes. Which Chris Colfer has said was inspired by his sister with epilepsy.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, like, I'm glad that the brother, whose name is Billy, Billy is never, like... I don't know. He's never, like... He's not tragic. F- yes, he's not tragic. He's not made fun of.
1: There, is, There is a little bit of inspiration porn because Topher does mention, like, Yeah, my brother's my hero because he goes through stuff every day and that inspires me. And like, okay, calm down. He wasn't born to be your hero. Yeah. He's just a guy. He's literally just a guy.
0: At the same time, I think Billy would probably also say that Topher is his hero. Yeah, so. that's fair enough. Supported brothers goes both ways. <laughs>
1: There there's no tragedy uh with Billy like mm-hmm. the the only thing is that Topher has to not go to I believe it was MIT he got into and he chooses yeah, he not to go so Yeah, he got MIT. Yeah, he's he stays local so he can help continue taking care of his brother, which is more an issue of his mom isn't able to take care of his brother full time and he's like, "Okay, I'll do this." He's not even angsting about it. The the only yeah. the only thing he angsts less about having to take care of his brother than he does the fact that all of his friends are going off anywhere and he has to stay there. Which is really, yeah. he'd be angsting about that anyways. It's just now he's on yeah. a different side of things.
0: Yeah. And, like, also, like, I think part of that too is, like, there's a big thing on, or there's been a big trend public, or not, it has been more prominent in discussions about health and caretaking. You know, like, how a lot of the times parents will parents will force children to be caretakers for their siblings. <laughs> and this is clearly not present that Topher and Billy grew up and it's like, you know, helping each other. And it's just now that their dad is on a teaching assignment in Seattle and mom is a yeah. nurse. <laughs> so it's Th- just that's a question mentioned of like,
1: very briefly. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, for, for a hot second, I was like, does Topher have a dad? But yes, he does. He's just only mentioned once to explain why they need Topher to stay local.
0: Yeah. And I think next we have Joey, who is a mixed kid... Who is from an extremely religious family and who is also extremely closeted gay?
1: <laughs> yeah, but okay. Now, now, Joey, I have say, if if you if you were truly a closeted gay, you would know to mute your phone so that the knockoff grinder isn't. Yeah. <sighs> oh, and the knockoff grinder, which which yells, like notifications going,
0: yeah, daddy, yeah, daddy.
1: Um, and also it's called man nip.
0: Yeah. Uh. And the icon which, is a which furry. Does,
1: listen, I need to. Okay, I need to say that I did actually really like this book. It <laughs> just a lot of details where it makes you go, Chris. Yeah. I don't think you've ever had to use grinder before. Yeah, Chris, I think you were able to walk into a bar and all of the tw- other twinks were like, "Ooh."
0: I'm I'm, I'm not going to worry about that. But yeah, the the Joey doesn't know how to turn his phone on fucking silent.
1: Yeah, but fortunately, his parents are too Christian to like connect the dots.
0: Yeah, I would say they are obliviously Christian. Yes. And so there's Joey, and we meet Sam, who is an artist and does a lot of, like, furniture design and creation.
1: Yeah, they're like, they're like a, he's like a punk street artist, where he's like, he he sent his portfolio to uh, RISD, the Rhode Island School of Design, Mm -hmm. and he's like, here's all of this furniture in my room, all of which has been made from repurposed and remodeled junk.
0: Yeah, which is, like, really cool. Mm -hmm. Oh, and also, Sam has introduced, like, hey... Like, I like I am so ready to get out and and get out and also come out because in Sam's first point of view chapter, specifically mentions like, yeah, hey, I wear a lot of gender neutral baggy clothing, and I cut my hair very short because I don't quote, I don't wanna make a splash, that's what I'm comfortable in, but also Sam inherently knows that he is trans
1: yeah Sam. <laughs> the
0: egg like the egg has already cracked
1: <laughs> yeah like we we get we get a chapter from Topher's perspective that's like that's sam and she's so cool and the counterculture and, dah, dah, dah. and then we get sam's chapter and sam is like S- hello i'm sam and i am a trans guy nobody knows this um uh-huh. there is a point where like his mom comes in and so it's important that like sam is mm-hmm. referred like Everyone refers to Sam with she/her pronouns, except for Sam himself, until mm-hmm. Sam comes out later.
0: Yes, Which but the narrative—the narrative, I, the narrative yes. always refers to Sam as a boy.
1: Exactly. There is a part where Sam's mom comes in, and she's like, "I went to the sidekick, and I found out about the boy in your life." And he's like, "The what?" And she's <laughs> like, "Yeah, there's a boy who dresses like you and likes all the same things you do. You have a secret boyfriend." And Sam's like. I am my own secret boyfriend. (laughs) The (laughs) secret boy that the psychic told you about was me! (laughs) But this is all the internal monologue. There's a really good line, because, like, the rest of Sam's focus chapter, where he's talking about his past, he talks about saving up money to go to a therapist to, Uh like, get get stuff figured out.
0: Yes, to get an official diagnosis and medication.
1: Yeah, and the therapist is like, Congratulations, Sam, you are not transgender, you are just like a father figure, and you're going through a phase.
0: Yeah, and so Sam is immediately like, fuck that guy.
1: Yeah, the line in here is, Sam felt like he had driven his car to a body shop for repairs and the mechanic was calling it a horse.
0: <laughs> yeah. Also, I do appreciate that there's a part in the narrative which was unintentionally funny, because there's a part where Topher describes Sam as a tough egg to crack. And I'm like,
1: Oh, Topher, that, <laughs> that egg has already cracked. <laughs> well, I don't think that was intentional. I don't <laughs> think it's intentional either. In but
0: yes, it's very funny in hindsight. <laughs> and the last of the last of our heroic quad. I don't know what term to you of our of our heroic squad is yeah. Mo, who is I think Mariko Ishikawa. I think, yeah. Who is basically just Tina.
1: Yeah, a little. She's. She's the fanfic person of the group. She's Mm -hmm. deep in the (laughs) the explicit fanfics. Yes. And her backstory is that her parents uh, emigrated from Japan and her mom got cancer, but Mo Mm -hmm. didn't know that she got cancer because she was really little.
0: And because her parents wouldn't tell her. They kept couching and other things.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And so Mo would write stories for her mom to read when she went to meetings, air quotes, air quotes. And her mom was like, oh, these stories are so great. You keep, you should keep writing me stories because I love to read them during my meetings. And then eventually, like, Mo realizes her mom's getting sick, so she writes more stories. And then eventually, Mo's mom doesn't come back to the hospital, and Mo's Mm -hmm. like, Dad, when's my mom come back to the hospital? And her her dad just goes, your mother is dead! And then her and her father never speak again for the next, like, ten years, I guess.
0: Yeah, because it's like, it's kind of implied that, like, Mo's dad is probably, like, very depressed and doesn't know how to take care of a doesn't know how to take care of and or raise a child so he spends six days out of seven working and then on the seventh day he just sits in front of the tv and drinks and watches japanese television
1: yeah and so this whole time mo has just been getting deeper and deeper into her writing and, like, the official on paper plan is that she's going to Stanford for pre law, but she wants to go to. Hang on, let me find. Columbia. She wants to go to Columbia to study creative writing. And she has a whole plan to uh, pitch this to her dad. And mm-hmm. then she tries pitching it and explains why she's so passionate. tries to explain why she's passionate about it. And her dad's like, nope, you're going to law, law. Like, you'll fail as a writer. You need to go to law school. And you need to. <laughs> God damn it, this discussion is over, and you need to make your mother proud.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, oof. And also, quickly circling back to Joey, the reason he's big into WizKids is because he thinks Cash and uh, Toby are both hot, and the reason that uh, Sam is big into WizKids is because there's an episode that Sam could deeply relate to about, like, Dr. Bumfuzzle. (sighs) Dr. Bumfuzzle had to chisel out these formless, angelic space beings from rock, and Sam was like, I wish Dr. Bumfuzzle would chisel me out of this rock so I can be a beautiful space angel trans man. (laughs) <laughs> and Topher's real into it because I, I think it was just so, something that he had friends to watch with
0: yeah it was it was a common interest
1: to tover into it because like he's like i care a lot about so, so, uh, the, the fandom and i'm like no Topher, you care about the friends you made in the fandom you will survive yes. if something happens to the fandom which is a yes. good thing because i read the rest of this book and i know something's <laughs> gonna happen to the fandom
0: yeah and, like, we we briefly meet the squad and their their friends, Davi and Huda.
1: Who don't matter, I'm sorry to say. I'm so, yeah. They, they don't matter. I, they're there to represent the international fandom and they don't matter.
0: They're there to represent the, the international fandom and also to keep the squad updated on internet fandom things when they're on their road trip.
1: Here, here's the thing. If I was adapting this, I would cut them.
0: Yeah. And, like... My thing is that I would really love to hear more about Huda or just, like, I guess read about, like, fandom in the Middle East in is, general. because okay, yeah. like, so
1: there is interesting stuff that comes up with Huda because she tells them that because WizKids is censored in where she lives, she has mm-hmm. to, like, go through a whole daisy chain of pirate sites via the fandom in order to get stuff. And, like, that's yeah. a really interesting thing. And it would kind of be its own story, but in the grand context of this book itself, it it does really not matter. doesn't matter because any everything that Mo and Huda can tell them is just stuff that they can learn on their own because it already says that they get a bunch of Google alerts.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And there's like there's already a lot of dialogue between the Downers Four that like you don't need other people adding voices to this because the Four can already offer so much of their own commentary.
0: Yes, that is true. And so we get to the uh, initial setup. The The entire point of this book is that Topher, Joey, Sam, and Moe uh, have all graduated high school. And they're going to take a road trip across the U.S. <laughs> to make the pilgrimage to the Kids film studio in California. So they can go see the set and everything. And they have their itinerary all planned out. And it's the next day, oh no, I didn't pack! And as they're all getting ready, like, Topher is like, you know what, I'm gonna send an email to Cash Carter on his fan website.
1: Yeah, the the fan website that's been running for the past ten years, which, which, that does, like, I don't think anyone has fan websites now. But yeah, at least that thing was, like, running in 2007, 2008, so that's something that I could see existing.
0: Yes, yeah. And Cash is like, or, excuse me, Topher is like, hey, do you want to go on our road trip with us?
1: He, Oh, no, he doesn't, like, intentionally, he doesn't write the email with the purpose of inviting him. He writes the email is like, hey, man, I hope you're doing good. Like, he's writing to him like he's old friends with Cash. He's like, hey, man, I hope you're doing well. He's like, I love your work and I love, the, like, the stuff that we saw, like, from the convention center. Uh, I'm looking forward to season 10. I just want to say that I'm so glad that your show has brought me and my friends together. We've all graduated high school and we're going on a road trip to visit WizKids Studios. Maybe we'll see you there. Also, wouldn't it be crazy if you joined us on the road trip? Haha, <laughs> J.K. lol. Goodbye. Uh-huh. Like, he was he was being deeply unserious about this. And then he yes. gets the notification. And it's just Cash Carter going, Hey man, what time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Tofer does reply. We don't see the reply, but, like... We cut to the next morning and Topher's like, yeah, I like, I, I sent the reply email. And I sent them like, where were we living from and what time? Like, but like, it's probably nothing. It's probably an intern making fun of me. Because <laughs> it wouldn't be crazy, right? Unless.
0: Unless. Um, oh, re- <laughs> real, sorry, real quick. I'm, I'm flipping through to catch up in my, in my tabs. And I did note that in Sam's intro chapter, <laughs> the sentence is, Sam was an extremely gifted artist for two reasons. He was talented and he was poor. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like,
1: mood. Restrictions breed creativity. Yeah. But yeah, so Topher tells this to Sam and Joey because Mo's running late, and the Sam and Joey are both like, I can't believe you thought that Cash Carter was actually going to show up. That would never happen. And then Cash Carter immediately pulls up.
0: Yeah, and they have their like fan moments of like. <sighs>
1: I mean, the three of them are starstruck. It's only Mo who, like, she shows up late with a box of donuts. She's like, sorry, guys, I was late. This, that, and the other thing happened. Why are you all staring at me? And then she finally rushes the cat card there, and then she does scream and throw the donuts at him.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Waste of good donut. You don't throw a donut at people. You eat the donut. <laughs> Maybe that's why I got donuts today. Maybe. <laughs> Subliminally influenced.
1: Exactly.
0: Subliminally influenced to honor the sacrifice of the box of donuts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so they they begin their road trip with everyone sitting in dead silence because because it's also it's only a four-person car so cash carter is sitting on top of the luggage in the back highly illegal if they had to get yeah. the brakes he would go flying through windshield <laughs> which would be its own kind of funny honestly
0: yeah yeah but that's like struck by lightning level comedy yeah so they i think they get through like the initial round of like questioning
1: yeah, I mean this. This next chapter is like basically he's saying, "Hey, Cash, what the fuck are you doing here?"
0: Yeah, and basically he was just like, "Oh yeah, I just wanted to do something fun, and this sounded fun."
1: And then he immediately starts smoking and doing drugs.
0: Yeah, and they're like, "I can't
1: believe you're using substances. You had a whole dare video about this."
0: And he's like, "That li- that lion was so drunk the whole shoot." <laughs> And then he goes on
1: to explain why being famous really sucks and how you have, like, everything you do is micromanaged and everything you say is, like, dissected to make a point that you weren't even trying to make.
0: Yeah, it's like, literally the the part in the text is, like, the difference between fame and respect is that fame is getting interrupted every time you have a meal. It's getting asked favors by complete strangers whenever you step outside. It's getting asked advice on how to break into the industry from the guy taking a dump in the stall next to you. It's getting criticized by the whole world and never getting to defend themselves. And then he's like, oh, and being respected makes fame worth it.
1: Yeah. And then he like he, he does explain like, hey, I understand you guys think this is a big deal. And I, it is kind of a big deal, but also like- uh, don't expect me to be super excited and enthusiastic about old, all things kids and only kids after ten years of this. Yeah. And then he goes on to say, like, The five of us are going to be together for a while. I'd like this experience to be as authentic as possible, but part of that is going to be as authentic as possible. I'm glad you like the show, and I'm happy to answer many questions as you want, as long as you stop truth-shaming sh- truth
0: me. Truth-shaming.
1: Then And then they get a part where, like, uh, Sam pulls up an old interview, and they go through it question by question. And Cash says which answers were real and which answers were fake.
0: Yeah, but then at the end of the chapter, he's like, "All of them were lies. I was lying to you the whole time."
1: He does say half the stuff I just told you was lies, but I think you get the point I was trying to make.
0: You want lunch? Yeah. So, like, they, like, they end up stopping for lunch in Lincoln, Lincoln, Illinois. Lincoln, Illinois, I don't think... It must be a very small town. Usually it's like... You say you go to Springfield, Illinois. Not Lincoln, Illinois. But they stop at a diner that is called McCarthy's. (laughs) As in McCarthyism. Which is like...
1: Welcome to the International House Un-American Activities Committee of Pancakes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And this is where they have their... The the roadies have their first experience like... What well, it's like traveling with a celebrity, which is, you do not offer to stay for a picture because you will be there for an hour and a half while everyone takes their picture with the celebrity who is traveling with you.
1: Yeah, that's basically the whole chapter. It is very funny. We're, we're like, because Topher's the one who's like, yeah, it's fine, we can take a picture. And then everyone in the restaurant lines up and think we don't even know who Cash is. So while the Downers four wait outside, Cash is stuck in there. Eventually he comes out, he goes right to Topher, leans in close. So what did we learn?
0: Yeah. So they get back on the road, and then they go to the world's biggest rubber band ball. Which yeah. is just, it's a giant ball of rubber bands. And Cash it's, it's, is like, be free! Be free!
1: He deeply relates to it, because it's like old and abandoned, there's no one else around it, and he's like, wow, it's been out in the sun forever. The gaze of everyone's wearing it down, destroying it.
0: And then he kicks it enough times that it breaks loose of, like, the area in which it is seat, like sitting and it just rolls off into the cornfields of Illinois and they <laughs> flee the scene
1: they get chased like it's Indiana Jones yeah the next chapter is called Rosemary's Abortion
0: yeah because Hell yeah. They, get, they get to St. Louis and this is where the downers forever were like we're gonna go to St. Louis and we're gonna visit the Gateway Arch and we're gonna go to the Lewis and Clark Museum which is under the Gateway Arch and then we're gonna we're gonna watch the sunset, and then we're gonna go and stay in log cabin hotel outside the city. And Cash is like, doesn't know who Lewis and Clark are.
1: He shows up at the museum, and he's like, "Where's the Superman stuff?"
0: Yeah, because he thought it was Lewis and Clark. He's yeah. like, "No, that's that's in Metropolis, Illinois. That's like an hour and a half east."
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've been there. They have a giant Superman statue. Oh, cool. Yeah.
1: Anyways, they, yeah, because they leave him alone for now. He's like, I'm going to do some cash stuff and I'll meet you at the museum later. And then when he does, he shows up, yeah, shows up an hour late with tickets to a punk rock concert and four fake IDs.
0: Because it's an over 21 concert. And the band is indeed called Rosemary's Abortion. Yep. And they are, they are pro-abortion rights. So good for them. Yay. And everyone is like, up to like the last three chapters of this book, Cash's whole raison Detre is Don't you just want to go a little ape shit?
1: He's a manic pixie
0: douchebag. Yes, manic pixie douchebag. And I Tanner, I literally put in my notes at the concert, Cash drinks and medicates, gets kind of manic, and dances poorly.
1: Yeah. Um and that is basically this whole chapter, is that? Cash dances like a wackadoo, and they all decide to join in, and it's the most ha- fun they've had in a long time. Also, Topher looks deeply into Sam's eyes, is like, "Oh no, I'm actually in love. I don't have to have a little crush." Yeah. Um. Also, at at this point, it's been established that Sam also is uh, like has feelings for Topher, but like, okay, so Topher's like, "I am in love with this really cool countercultural girl," and Sam's like, "I'm a boy, and Topher's a boy, and I don't think this is gonna work out." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Also, the other another subplot going on is that Joey. Remember, how he, we brought up a knockoff grinder. So Joey actually has a hookup scheduled for er, to meet up with someone in uh, Oklahoma City, and he's mm-hmm. been getting messages from the guy. It's like, "Hello, cute person. I I am going to do homosexual things at you. You know, I." <laughs> They're <laughs> flirty. They're flirty messages. I don't know yes, if those yeah. words I just said came from. Same. <laughs> Next time I'm on a dating app, I'm like, hey, do you want to get together and do a homosexual action?
0: (laughs) I hope it works out for you, Tanner.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, everyone's having a great time at the concert. There were no parents Uh holding them back. No younger siblings needed to be cared for. No one telling them they were going to burn hell. No one telling them they had an illness. There were no limits, no responsibilities, no religion, no misunderstandings. In that moment, there was just the music vibrating through their bodies. The worst part was knowing the music in the moment would eventually end. Uh, After four or five songs worth of intense dancing, Cash began to slow down. He looked at the dancing fools around him with pride, then froze like he was about to be sick. You okay, bud? Topher asked. Need some water? As if it were happening in slow motion, Topher watched the light fade from his eyes, the smile fade from his lips, and the color drain from his face. The actor fell backward and collapsed onto the floor.
0: Cash! (laughs) Topher screamed.
1: So we cut to the next morning. They have loaded Cash up into his private hotel room. Because, oh, they also discovered after lunch that Cash has, like, real nasty sleep apnea. And yeah. so like he's literally sawing logs.
0: Yeah. So they're like, we're all gonna, I guess, just all pile into one cabin and he's gonna get his own sleeping space.
1: <laughs> Anyone who's ever been to a convention knows he gets sardine in the hotel room.
0: Yes. And this is, like, my one geography qualm with this book, is that, like, they mentioned that they're staying at the Paul Bunyan Hotel, where all the cabins are like little log cabins. And they mentioned that it's in the Mark Twain National Forest, which is not actually a single forest. It is several different parts of forest along the I-44 corridor, headed southwest from St. Louis. So, okay. minimum, they put him in the van after he passed out, and they drove for... At least an hour and a half, maybe two hours, <laughs> maybe more than that, because it extends all the way from, it's literally just like bits and pieces from St. Louis Southwest until you leave Missouri. Huh. So that's my geography corner. I'm done for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> and they try to wake Cash up and he's like, I'll meet you in Oklahoma City. Don't worry about it. And they're like, okay, cool. We're going to go hiking.
1: Yeah, he's wicked hungover, so he tells them to go to the Mark Twain forest, and he says he'll meet them at the vacation suites later.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And so they go on their hike, and the narrative is, none of them had self-surface as they hiked through the forest, which was good exercise for a group of millennials. (laughs) Thanks, Chris. (laughs) Well,
1: (laughs) so it's like, they're all really happy to relax and enjoy the sounds of nature, but they're also checking when they got self-surface again every five minutes.
0: (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And also they're rehashing like, yeah, hey, we had a really fun time last night until Cash passed out on the dance floor. And then as they are, as they are hiking, they get Google alerts and they get missed video calls from Davi and Huda because apparently someone filmed the concert and Cash (laughs) passing out and having a breakdown and it's gone viral. And so they're all, and all of them are in the video too, but you know, no one knows who these four nobodies from Downer's Grove are, except for Davi and Huda.
1: Yeah. Kylie Traig, that's the terrible influencer we mentioned before. She has already uploaded a video about it. Uh, which starts with a 30-second commercial for a lip gloss called Star, and an obnoxious theme song that she sings herself. Yeah. The president has to do something about Cash Carter. Look, we all know fame and success change people. Other fans have survived the personality changes, the bad decisions, and the scandals of their show's star. And I know we'll get through this too, but Cash Carter, what the fuck is going on with you, boy? She says, and I assume an offensive black accent. Yeah. This girl white. I don't know if they ever say whether she's white or not, but she's definitely a white girl who's trying to act like a black girl for clout every so often.
0: Yeah. I know
1: you've been going through a phase lately, but I never expected to wake up to this. There are so many questions. I don't know where to start. First off, why is Cash in St. Louis? Why is he at a punk rock concert when we all know he listens to alternative music? Why is he dancing like an epileptic on roller skates? She's allowed to say that. Well, she's not allowed to say that, but Chris is allowed to have her say that because she's her terrible person. Yeah,
0: yeah. But one question no one has it is,
1: who the hell are these four deplorables with him? Yeah. Joey yells in disbelief, we're in Kylie Trigg's video and she just called us deplorables.
0: Yeah. And like, we can, do you want to read the rest of the video or... <laughs> If you ask me, these
1: fuckers are who's to blame. I don't know if they're just an entourage sucking him dry of everything decent, if they've been paid by another network to sabotage the show, or if they were planted by the Doctor Who fandom so they could laugh at us as we watch him self-destruct. I just know these people want him to fail. And I'm hopeful Edward Snowden and or WikiLeaks will answer my request and help us get to the bottom of this. I'm sure the WizKids publicists will release some statement in the next hour claiming his dehydration, But just in case the four leeches involved are watching this, just know the wizards are on to you. If you don't leave Cash alone, stop corrupting him, and stop fucking with his career, the venom will hunt you down, we will find you, and we will kill you. Yeah. Holy shit, Kylie Trigg just threatened our lives, Sam exclaimed. The video finished, but was instantly followed by another. Hey, wizard sluts, Kylie said in a kind and casual tone. So right after I posted my last video, my lawyers called me and told me I needed to retract what I said. I used some pretty strong words, but I was not serious about the threats I made, nor do I condone or encourage violence of any kind. Make sure you subscribe, and I'll see you next time. The video ended, but Topher, Joey, Sam, and Bo stared at the screen for a few moments in absolute terror. Holy shit. Kylie Trigg just threatened her lives and then took it back, Sam clarified.
0: Yeah, and they- Oh, sorry, I just- <laughs> I just flipped forward, and I, I saw- Poor Cash, Joey said. How does he live with this every day? I feel like I'm being pecked alive by a million invisible birds. (laughs) And, like, that's a mood. (laughs) So then they just get back on the road. And, like, this is one, like, writing thing about this book that I'm not a super fan of. Because, like, sometimes if Chris Colfer doesn't know how to end a chapter, he'll just be like, From that moment on, the trip was more bittersweet than before. By the time it was over, they would head home with a dozen new memories, but maybe a couple of broken hearts, too. Hey. Every, every, not every, but there's a lot of chapters that end on, like, that kind of, like, tune in next time cliffhanger.
1: Yeah, that is another thing, like, while the content of this book is clearly aimed at young adults... The pacing is very middle grade. And Chris Easley could have added another two hundred pages to this, and I would have liked that because it would have really helped expand a lot of character stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we can just we can just cut to the to the downer's for getting to Oklahoma City. And Joey's yeah. like, I have to go to a college. Orientation meeting. Yeah,
1: because I'm going to the Baptist College.
0: At seven PM <laughs> and everyone else is like, okay, Joey, have fun. And it's supposed to be for his for his hookup and he gets there, <laughs> uses his fake ID <laughs> to get in.
1: Yeah, it's at a bar called Sinners and Saints.
0: And then he gets there and his date gets there and is like He's a daddy. Yeah. <laughs> And Joey is like, okay, I have to remember my script that I'm that I'm a college graduate, not a high school graduate. And then he messes up, and he's like, shit.
1: Yeah, Br- Brian is flirty for like a good five minutes until he clocks that, hmm, this child seems younger than he claimed he was. uh Oh, yeah. Br- Brian grabs the fake ID, starts freaking out. <laughs> Am I going to be arrested? Is Chris Hansen about to jump out with the camera crew?
0: Yeah. But then it switches from being a hookup to, uh, it'll be okay, kid, talk.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because Joey's definitely like, please don't go, I'm sorry, I lied, I'm not a deceitful person. I was just desperate to meet someone I didn't want anyone to know. I didn't want anyone I know to find my profile, so I exaggerate some things. I don't know when I'll get another chance to do anything like this. Yeah. And Brian immediately, he he shifted from flirty to terrified, and then he goes from terrified to, ooh, this kid needs help.
0: Yeah. And then switches into like turn the chair around and sit on it backwards. kept talking,
1: Hey, kid. So you used a fake ID and a completely different fake dating app profile to try and get laid seven states away from where you live.
0: Yeah, and I do think it's kind of it's kind of sweet at the end because like as he's leaving, like Brian gives Joey a kiss, and he's like, "Hey, you got one, you get one milestone out of the way."
1: Yeah. I like the whole thing, because Joey's like, I just need to have some kind of gay sex action and that'll, that'll like, <laughs> satisfy me for the next four to five years of my life. I just need to get out of the way and I'll be good. And Brian's like, no, you should actually like find a space where you can enjoy yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then Brian leaves and Joey's like, well, I feel slightly better about my situation.
1: <laughs> and then Cash is there.
0: Yeah, Cash was there all along and gives him a pep talk.
1: And, and this was the point where, okay, so like, I thought this whole time that the deep dark secret Cash had was that he was gay or bi or something like that, and so I was surprised at no point did Joey say, hey Cash, what are you also doing at the devil's sacrament? And then eventually I realized, oh wait, this is somehow a straight bar called Saints and Sinners. Yeah. Which is, that just seems silly. I don't think there's any heterosexuals who are like, ooh, you know it's sexy? Religious heresy. But the queers <laughs> are all over that.
0: Yeah. I don't know.
1: There's one thing the LGBTQIA plus community loves: is living in sin. Big shrug. But yeah, Cash is like,
0: I've been here
1: the whole time, and I I agree with everything Brian said. But also, I don't think you should go to the Baptist college because <laughs> it seems like a terrible place to get get laid.
0: Wait, because like, didn't didn't he like when they met? Didn't like Cash immediately clock Joey as as some kind of queer?
1: He did. He said, how are you gonna meet gay people at the Baptist University? And Joey's like, oh, I'm not gay. And Cash is like, oh, my bad. But also, I guess I was right the whole time. Yeah. And Cash is like, I may not be able to relate to the gay thing, but you are bending over backward to please people you're never gonna get approval from. It's a total waste of time. It's like when I spend my days off doing favors for television critics. No matter how many headshots I sign or videos I record for their bratty kids, it isn't going to make them review my projects any better or write good things about me in their recaps.
0: Yeah, still kind of the manic pixie douchebag.
1: <laughs> yeah, very much. Like he's he's trying to pass on wisdom to Joey, but it yeah. is cash. So his wisdom is like eh. Yeah. Um, and his attempts to sympathize do make Joey just fucking lose his shit. Which somehow no one- no one else in the bar notices? Yeah. Or reacts to?
0: I imagine that with his upbringing, Joey has gotten very good at screaming very- very quietly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But now he gets to scream loudly. Yeah. Cash is like, you feel better? (laughs) Joey's like, I'm so sorry. I've never said those things to him before. I don't think I've even said them to myself. Yeah, I was worried the furniture was gonna start levitating. (laughs) And then Cash yeah. tells him that he's got agoraphobia.
0: Yeah, because someone had, wasn't it that like someone doxed, like when Cash bought his first house, someone doxed him?
1: I mean that, but also specifically he brings up another thing that happened where a WizKids episode implied that the Virgin Mary was an alien abductee and Jesus Christ was an extraterrestrial human hybrid. And he got death threats from five different radical religious groups.
0: Yeah, and so he just stayed inside. And then he just one day decided not to stay inside.
1: Yeah, congratulations, Cash. You decided, hey mental illness, stop it.
0: Damn, I wish that were me.
1: Cash, you ignorant slut.
0: Yeah, and then we like, I guess, the, I guess it's, we cut to the next day.
1: Yeah, I mean, Joey leaves the bar, and he's like, Cash is an idiot, but maybe his bullshit had some points after all. Yeah, very much, very much a vibe of whenever Cash gives advice, it's like, well, this guy's an asshole, but I think he managed to be profound by accident.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> And so then we cut to the next morning where everyone else is ready to go, and Cash brought two dates back to the hotel room, where apparently he used his real name, and I'm sure that yeah, will come back later. Yeah, they open the door, and
1: Cash is there, and then, like, they lean in further, and they, like, they, they hear a, a sexy, sleepy voice, are you leaving already, Cash? And they all lock in and see a sexy girl in the bed, <laughs> and Cash is like, Yeah, eh, sorry, I gotta go. Uh, hey, everyone, this is, what's your name again? It's Brenda. Right, Brenda. For some reason, I almost called you Vicky. And then another girl pokes out of the sheets. I'm Vicky. <sighs> well, no, listen, it's fine. I'm not gonna yuck his yums. Especially because oh, he was getting yeah. his yums yucked last night. Anyways, they've resumed the road trip.
0: Yeah, so what? say I'm here. I hope you weren't disrespectful to those women.
1: <laughs> Please, if anyone was disrespected last night, it was me. But I'll spare you the details. I never thought I'd say this, but God bless Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, so they finally get back on the road. They're trying to head to Amarillo, Texas. Except Cash has another moment of emphasizing Manic in Manic Pixie Douchebag. And is like, we have to take a detour! Because I really want to go to this water park called High Tides that I went to as a kid. It's in Southwest- it's in Garden City, Kansas, which is in the Southwest portion of the state and i went there all the time and it's pirate themed and it's so much fun and i want to relive the happy parts of my childhood because i actually grew up in colorado and then moved to cal to california later and so when i was in colorado we went to high tides all the time and it was the last place i was happy please
1: so he leads them on a wild goose chase through the highways Yes.
0: yes and like there's also a part where like Sam and Topher, they notice that there is a strange black car that has been tailing them for a while. And because because Cash is an unreliable roadmap, they end up taking a really sudden turn that helps them lose the car that was tailing them. And at the same time, like, Mo is trying to find this website or not this website, this location and they finally get there and they find out that the A, the theme park, is High Tides. Tides spelled with a Y. So that's why it wasn't coming up in any of their Googling. And also, the theme park has been closed for over ten years.
1: Yeah, and they all lay into Cash for him, like, completely ruining their road trip plans. And he's just, like, not hearing any of it because he's become... Ex-
0: he is he's experiencing... again. <laughs> yeah. This reminds Cash of his own mortality. <laughs> <laughs> and as they, like, try to get back on the road. The car doesn't start because plot.
1: Well, they ran out of gas. They spent so long burning it all trying to find the water park.
0: Uh-huh, that they, yeah, they ran out this. of gas. And so then Topher calls AAA and they'll be there as soon as they can, but as soon as they can is the next morning. And so Cash is like, you know what we should do while we're waiting for AAA to get here? We should hop the fence and explore the derelict park. <laughs> <laughs> What's a little trespassing between friends?
1: They're all like, Cash, this is how a horror movie starts.
0: Yeah. It's like, I'll be fine. I'm a white guy. (laughs) (laughs) And so they, like, burn the wooden statue of the park's mascot to make a bonfire. (laughs)
1: And Cash gives them all weed. Yeah. But Well, first first they try doing uh, Never Have I Ever.
0: Which goes terribly.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because Cash has done everything and the other people have done nothing.
0: Yeah. They have wildly different life experiences. (laughs) And the only thing... My favorite part about that was that it is revealed that Cash's real name, like his legal name, is Thomas Anthony Hanks. Yep. And so his his stage name is Cash Carter because when he went to register with, I guess, SAG-AFTRA, there was a song by June Carter and Johnny Cash playing. So he's like, hey, I'll use that. But the narrative just calls him Cash all the time, so. And I wrote that he peer pressures them into smoking weed.
1: But he kind of does. Well, it's it's in the sense of like, You've you've clearly never done anything interesting. Got to live a little.
0: Yeah, and so they all get he also high. He
1: does some. Of the, he does also. Again, we keep we keep jumping to the weed scene because it's like the main part of this chapter. But there is other stuff because he does also talk about his past and how like his parents were in and out of jail. and He ended up living with his aunt, and she only got him into acting because she was trying to live vicariously through him. So they were both really surprised when he actually got into WizKids. Yeah. But yeah, then now it's now it's weed time.
0: Yeah, yeah. They smoke. They smoke some weed. And Cash just sits there and observes them all being different types of stoners. And then is like, I am done watching Discovery Channel wildlife documentary for the night. I'm going to go sleep in the car. You're all going to sleep outside. Bye. Uh, Yeah,
1: so he says, give it a a couple minutes. This stuff is fresh off the Los Feliz streets. None of that medicinal pussy, pussy shit. It may take a moment to kick in or it might not even work at all your first time. Half an hour later, Topher was sitting still as a statue, Joey was staring at the starry sky in wonder, Sam was trying desperately not to laugh at everything he saw, and Moe was rubbing herself like she was covered in bugs. The three-day supply of granola bars in the earthquake kit has been consumed in a matter of minutes. Yeah. So Topher's a traditional stoner, because he's just like, whoa, man. Uh Uh-huh. Sam.
0: Sam's a comedian stoner,
1: because he's just laughing at everything.
0: Joey's a professor, because Because he's he's having
1: having deep thoughts. (laughs) Yeah, he gets very existential. And Mo gets paranoid. Yeah. I do like the transition, like, Hey, Mo, how's the the Mary Jane treating you, Mo? I hate to see it, but I actually don't feel any different than before. I'm a little jealous it's not working on me the way that it is on- Holy shit, what the hell is that? Relax, Mo. It's just a raccoon. A raccoon? How am I supposed to relax when there are raccoons? How can anyone sleep at night when those things are crawling around the world? Oh my god, they have digits! Why
0: would God make an animal you can high-five? Why would he do it? (laughs) Yeah, it's very after-school special. (laughs) Which Sam replies, The raccoons are
1: afraid of mold. They read her fanfiction and now they're scared. Joey's like, It makes you wonder why any of us aren't what we are, doesn't it? I mean, what separates us from raccoons? Like, really, though, we're born, we fight, we eat, we mate, we raise our young, and we die just like them. So why are we raccoons? We don't dig through the trash like they do, but we're still scavengers.
0: Sam's like, I dig through the trash! Does that make me a raccoon? Can we stop saying
1: the word raccoon? They're going to unnumber <laughs> They're probably going to think we're calling them over here if they team up with the possums they'll outnumber us! Topher in the background just going, possum raccoon. Yeah. And Cash is just like, yeah, this is great. Anyways, y'all can sleep here. I'm going back to the car. Bye!
0: Yeah. And then we cut to the next morning where they're like, oh my god, we slept outside. And I'm like, oh my god, do a tick check. Please. Yeah. Do several tick checks. I
1: don't know, maybe the fire in the weeds scared the ticks off.
0: That'd be great. God, I hate ticks. And so then Cash comes over and wakes them all up by, like, pouring water on their faces. Which I guess yeah. works. And they didn't get accidentally waterboarded.
1: Yeah, and Cash is like, yeah, I think that weed may have been laced with something, so (laughs) it's a good thing I didn't soak it. Yeah. And we'll never know what, because I caught a raccoon eating the rest of that joint this morning. All concerns aside, you guys are doing much better than he is. And then they all look over, and they see a dead raccoon (laughs) stretch out on his back like a starfish with bulging eyes and a slight smile, like he had seen God but didn't live to tell the tale.
0: Oh my god, Christopher. (laughs) And... So then they 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 get in the nice AAA guy's truck. Well, nice to a certain extent. And they get they listen to like some radio pundits talking about cash and his public indecency, I guess we'll call it. And yeah. you know, Democrats and politics and all of that stuff. And then the AAA truck tows the van to a sundown town. Yeah like
1: hey chris hey chris hey chris i'm not sure we needed this
0: i'm not sure we needed this part chris we we didn't need this part chris
1: yeah so okay so what happens they get to the yeah they get to the gas station and when they go inside for snacks they see a big confederate flag there
0: well no they 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 see it before they even go in because joey sees the confederate flag and he's like I am not getting out of the car.
1: Yeah, because, well, cause initially he's like, I gotta use the bathroom, and then as soon as he sees the flag, he's like, actually, I'll hold it. And Cash is like, no, man, I'll make sure that you can use the bathroom. Cash, Cash is himself Live the light little. savior to, of the day.
0: Yeah, and, like, they get inside, and the gas station owner is like, we don't serve his kind here about Joey. And Cash is like, no. I am going to save the day because I because I'll call the police and the fangirls. Yeah, well no. No. First Cash says I'm going to call the police and the gas station was like, "You do that, the police agree with me." And then Cash is like, "What if I sick fangirls on your racist establishment?"
1: Cash, I hate to break it to you, but I don't think the the get the the racist gas bar person would care about the fangirls either.
0: No. And like somehow the narrative Let's Cash intimidate the gas station owner into getting their gas for free, and also he takes a bag of, like, Funyuns or something. And I'm just like, that gas station owner, like, I don't care if Cash Carter is a celebrity, that gas station owner probably would have taken out the rifle that he keeps below the counter and shot Cash in the face.
1: Now, okay, he probably doesn't keep it below the counter. I'm shocked it wasn't mentioned that he had one hanging behind him. Yeah. Now, 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 to his credit, Joey does pull Cash aside and say, hey, fuck you. That could have gone horribly. And the justification Cash says is, I just needed to defend someone.
0: Christopher. Like, I get it. This is a very flawed Bandit Pixie douchebag. But come on! Yeah. <laughs> we didn't need this, Chris. <laughs> yeah. So, like, they, they get their gas. Joey has the most terrifying bathroom break of his life.
1: Yeah, I just... So I'm just, I'm trying to figure out, like, I feel like Cash should have been held more accountable by the entire group. Like, they all should have laid into him.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they get back on the road, and Cash is manic again, Mm -hmm. and notices as they're driving, he's like, Wow, that's a Porsche 550 Spider at a junkyard! We should pull over! And everyone else is like, It's easier, like, we're pulling over because at least this is right off the side of the highway.
1: He does, also, before they see the car, he has a whole thing about, like, what to do if you ever find yourself at the Oscars, because he's sharing, like, celebrity stories. Yeah. One time he went to a night before party, and he, um, Helen Mirren mistook him for a valet. Yeah. And they're like, oh my gosh, what did you do? And he says, I took the ticket, and I brought her her fucking car. That's what I did. I mean, anyone should be so lucky. She tipped me 20 bucks. I've got a friend at my house next to my Teen Choice Award. Which is fun. Yeah.
0: And then the rest of this just feels like an author screed by Chris Colfer. Uh, venting about everything he's experienced on red carpets.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, oh, but also this, like this, this whole segment is to demonstrate that Cash is getting more and more manic, and they even say like, "This reminds us of when he got real turned at Rosemary's abortion."
0: Yeah, yeah. And so they find this junkyard with this Porsche, and they're just like, "Okay, it's fine." And Cash is like, "Can I drive this car?" And the owner's like, "It only goes." It only goes forward, it doesn't go backward. (laughs) And he's like, I'll pay you $1,000 cash right now if you let me drive this car. And then he peer pressures Mo into riding with him.
1: I don't think he peer pressures her, I think. Yeah, he doesn't peer pressure very hard. He says, I promise when the wind hits your hair you'll feel just like a Bond girl. And then it goes on. Mo had the strongest reservations out of all her friends, but Cash knew the exact button to push. Her hesitation crumbled at the thought of feeling like a Hollywood starlet. Yeah. So it's like, it's not so much he peer-pressures her, as that he he clocks that she kind of wants to already, and he just says the right thing to encourage her.
0: Yeah. And then he gets mowed to admit that she does not want to go to Colum- that she doesn't want to go to Stanford. She wants to go to Columbia. By... Okay, the reason,
1: you, we're, we're skipping over some details here. The, he's able yeah. to get this out because they rocket down the highway, and she gets super excited. She says she feels like Marilyn Monroe. Then she's like, hang on, this might be too fast. And then he declares, the brakes aren't working. Yeah. There is no emergency brake. The accelerator is stuck, and I can't get the car to slow down. And she starts panicking, freaking out. And then he says, don't worry, I'll I'll promise you'll live to see the halls of Stanford. And she just shrieks, fuck Stanford. I'm only going there because my dad is making me. I don't want to study economics. I want to study creative writing, but none of that matters because I'm now about to be roadkill. Cash abruptly hit the brakes, and the Porsche came to a stop. Her crying turned to laughter when she realized they were safe. She hugged the actor in celebration. <laughs> the brakes worked, it's a miracle! Well, of course the brakes work. I was just fucking with you.
0: Manic pixie douchebag.
1: Exactly. Because he needed her to admit to herself that she wasn't interested in Stanford. He, listen, it's at this point that we basically realized that he clocked what everyone's issues were as soon as he met them. And he's like, okay, I am going to share my actorly wisdom with them and turn them into better people so they can live
0: fun lives. Yeah, I just put he gives her a pep talk in my notes
1: <laughs> yeah basically encourages her to follow her passion etc etc you need to claim the driver's seat never take a backseat in your own life you gotta take that bitch by the steering wheel with all your might even if the road's bumpy even if it's fun or finger kneels even if you lose passengers along the way
0: only you can steer your life in a direction that's best for you <laughs> and then he makes her drive the porsche
1: it was fun to be a passenger in the porsche it was a completely different experience behind the wheel Cash controlled the stick shift, but knowing she was in complete control of the speed and direction gave Mo a sensation she never felt before. She was in charge and it was addictive.
0: I mean, Fuck good you, for her.
1: Stanford. Part of, also, part of the reason Cash really wanted to drive that car is because it was the one that James Dean had. So, yeah. afterwards, Mo was like, This is exhilarating! No wonder everyone in Hollywood loves James Dean so much. I can only really imagine the freedom a car like this gave him. Cash knew he very died. well that the icon was actually killed in 1955 after crashing his Porsche 550 Spyder, but he didn't have the heart to tell her. Dream as if you live forever, live as if you'll die today. That was his motto. Remember that, okay. kids.
0: Okay. First Adam gets a literary device.
1: Exactly. Uh, we now cut forward to- Finally. They have, yeah, they finally reached Amarillo, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and they're touring the Bundy and Claire Jailhouse Museum of Old Town.
0: I mean, Bonnie and Clyde. Or discount Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs>
1: but but they're real, aren't
0: they? Somehow I doubt it, but I'll do a quick Google.
1: Or was Chris Colfer doing a, a no-brands run?
0: I think he was doing a no-brands run.
1: Well, my browser immediately froze. So,
0: oh no! When I enter the phrase "Bundy and Claire Carmichael" in quotes in Google, I get a Google Books result for "Stranger Than Fan Fiction," and that's it.
1: Oh, <laughs> that's telling. This is
0: the this is the this is the lowest amount of results that I have ever gotten in Google. <laughs> Google says about zero results, and it is one result singularly. <laughs> so the the gist of it is they were. Bank. They were bank robbers and mobsters, and the museum. Or the museum is also set up in a jail where they were held in and around all their crimes, and they were able to escape. And then Bundy died in a shootout as he was buying time so that Claire could get away, and she was never seen again, running off into the Texas countryside.
1: Yeah, Sam asked the tour guide. I've read numerous reports that Bundy and Claire seduced Officer Clancy Jones and were caught in a devil's threesome when the shootout began. Can you confirm or deny? The tour guide gulped and side-eyed the families in the jailhouse. The Bundy and Claire Jailhouse Museum only shares history that's appropriate for Texan families. My god. And then a little girl looks up at Cash, Aren't you from TV? And everyone's like, No, no, he gets that a lot, though. He's got one of those faces. Uh, Hey, what if everyone took pictures in the jail cell? And then while the families are trying to get in the, the five squad immediately try and leave
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and as they as they're getting like gas or souvenirs or something like they hear more they hear like a like a pant like a talk tv show about like wow the the gist of it is like it's four pundits like wow cash carter clearly needs help He's clearly dealing with a lot of a lot of stress, and he's having a breakdown.
1: But also, he's a bad influence, and he used to be held accountable because how will my children be raised properly if the guy they like on the TV show they watch is a bad person?
0: Yeah, it's it's got to be a tough pill to swallow, knowing you'll spend the rest of your career at conventions, especially when his lesser-known co-stars are booking jobs like Mothman.
1: Yeah, this must this really is a a no brand's run because it's not even Batman; it's Mothman. Yeah. (laughs) It's not even Killer Moth. Hey, I'd watch a Killer Moth movie. (laughs) And they also are like, also, rumor has it that Cash might be fired from the show because he's missing the stunt rehearsal that's happening right now. And Cash is like, uh, no, guys, it's definitely not happening right now. It's not supposed to happen for another two weeks. I'll call my agent. It's probably just rumors to make me look bad.
0: Yeah. And the downers four are like, I don't know how, I don't know what we're supposed to do. Like... Like, morally, because, like, they have observed Cash taking a lot of pills and mixing them with alcohol. Like, regardless of how much we believe from the pundits, he is definitively and, and like, objectively, that's the word. He is definitively and objectively abusing alcohol (laughs) and drugs. Like, you're not supposed to take painkillers with anything besides water or maybe food. Yeah. (laughs) Not alcohol. But they're like, yeah, we'll just worry about it in the morning. And then it's time for it's time for Sam's manic pixie douchebag therapy session. <laughs> because, like, as they are, as everyone else is going to sleep, Sam is like, Ugh, I'm gonna tell Topher that I'm trans tomorrow because I hate not telling my friends, but also I don't want them to hurt me or think differently of me. And Sam leaves the, the hotel and is, like, just kind of, like, taking a walk around and finds Cash drinking whiskey on the roof of the jail museum. (laughs) So they have like a a heart-to-heart talk that's kind of just like the pressures of society comparing the version of you that you present to the world versus like your true self that is not always, I guess, present or visible to the rest of the world. And Cash is like, yeah, man, it just sucks because people don't realize that I'm just an actor. I'm a person playing a character. And Sam's like, I know what you mean! And Cash is like, okay. And Sam's like, I know what it means because I'm a boy, I'm not a girl. And Cash is like, oh, cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is funny that, like, Cash is like, oh, I thought this might be a money issue or an overbring mom issue. I was not prepared for trans stuff. Uh, 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 good on you, kid? Yeah. <laughs> Sam even has to do, like, the... <laughs> explain, like, oh, and some people provide gender, gender fluid, and, like, non-binary, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Let so you pull out the PowerPoint.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they, I don't know. He, he really does, uh, and by he in this case, I mean Cash, is really like, wow, you've got it all figured out. Good for you. And Sam's like, wow, I really have grown through my experiences. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of nice. And that was also the part where where Sam is like, where, hey, where is, where is like knowledgeable stoner Cash coming from when we've been dealing with manic pixie douchebag Cash for the last four days or whatever? And Cash is like, a lot of knowledge comes with transitioning and you aren't the only one going through that. I'm turning into a big old has-been, remember? <laughs> Do you get it? Do you get it?
1: Yes. That's the new gender.
0: <laughs> the new gender is dead. Yeah. And so they wake up the next morning and they overhear, and then Cash also eventually tells them that he's being sued by the production company because (laughs) WizKids started. They started doing stunt training like three weeks ahead of schedule, and stunt training already starts three weeks ahead of filming. So effectively, it's six weeks ahead of schedule. And they sent him like a legal letter, but because he's been road tripping across the USA without his cell phone, he was not notified. And he mentions that they probably moved up the timeline for season 10 to get him to behave after the video from Rosemary's abortion went live. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Then they go to a UFO hut.
0: Yeah. It's, well, you say UFO hut. It's more like the Space Needle hit was more space.
1: Yeah. And less needle.
0: Yeah. And... The only employee of the UFO observation tower is this woman with the energy and enthusiasm of a camp counselor on crystal meth.
1: Yep. Hi, everybody. My name is Darla Plemons, and I want to tell you all about the secrets that happened in 1950-something about the UFOs that landed in Area 51.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and so and she, Cash like... And Cash
1: is not having it. Cash hates this woman on site.
0: Yeah. Tanner... I literally put in my notes, Cash is having none of it. (laughs) And he's very disrespectful of, like, all of the admittedly very implausible pieces of material that Darla says are evidence of the UFO landing. And he does a storm out. And so everyone else is like, should we go after him again? And Darla's like, no. I had to take courses in counseling as part of my ufology degree. (laughs) And then it turns out that she... (laughs) Her name is not, in fact, Darla. Her real name is, in fact, Diane. Her name is not Darla Plemons. It's Diane Feldgate. (laughs) And she used to work in PR in Los Angeles and helped Cash negotiate his contract with WizKids when he was 12. And they have a conversation that's like, yeah, hey, everything that we do is fake, but you might as well focus on the parts of the thing that you do that bring joy to the world, as long as you can also take care of yourself.
1: <laughs> uh, she says she left it beca- the industry because it's hard being a rule keeper in a place that doesn't have any rules. So she left while she still had some of her sanity. Mm hmm. And Cash is like, hey, I get leaving the industry, but why sell tacky t-shirts instead of practicing a different kind of law? I thought it would be a hoot and a nice change of pace, and I was right. Elmer and Essie's son Doug Fitzpatrick sold it to me before he died. I bought it at a great price, practically stole it from him, and I've had a lot more fun here than I would behind a desk at another law firm. I actually wrote a book about all the crazy people I've encountered. The television rights were just optioned by bad Robot."
0: Yeah. You know, JJ's company? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and Cash calls her out for selling people on a lie, which was part of the things that pissed him off earlier. And she says, people are going to believe whatever they want to. You know that more than anyone. All I'm doing is giving them a place to believe it in. It's very similar to what you do. You're just too wrapped up in yourself right now to see the bright side of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's show business. You're cra- that's how show business works. You're crazy to leave, but even crazier to stay. And she's like, hey, you, you get to supply an audience with an escape from their troubles. Mm-hmm. Doug knew that the UFO crash was bullshit and sacrificed his reputation by telling people it wasn't. The whole state thought he was a madman. But do you think Doug died feeling like he was a fraud? Do you think he died thinking about all the people who thought he was crazy? No, Doug died thinking about all the joy he had brought to the world. One day that's what you'll focus on too, not the annoyances that come with it. Mm-hmm. Now come upstairs and get out of this heat. I'll treat you, to you and your friends to some strawberry probesicles on the house. <sighs> to then try to go on to another of their stops on the road trip, which is Jurassic, uh, Dino World.
0: Uh-huh, Dino World.
1: Allegedly home to the world's uh, greatest life-size dinosaur sculptures. But it turns out it's literally a trailer park. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, look! It's Triceratops! No, that's a Volkswagen with its head popped up.
0: Yeah. And there's, like, some extremely worn-down and indistinct statues of dinosaurs made out of concrete. There's no paint on any of them. (laughs) Cash is in a mood and is like, I'm gonna go hang out in the pterodactyl nest. Which is just, like... Bits and pieces of broken dinosaur.
1: Um, So they basically try and find ways to kill time. Topher goes down to the gas station because they are not having to call AAA again.
0: Yeah. And they do mention that the gas station also has a dinosaur theme called Brontosaur Gas. And it's like, that's just Sinclair. You can say that, Chris.
1: No, we can't. It's a no-brands
0: run. (sighs) It's a no-brands run except for Google and Twitter.
1: (laughs) What would would your uh, knockoff Google be called? Google? Ogle,
0: ogle. I guess
1: we'll make Google into ogle, and we'll turn Twitter into pecker.
0: (laughs) No, maybe not pecker.
1: (laughs) Or no, now we have to call it something that's a letter. Anyways, Topher's at the gas station. The mysterious black car that had been following them drives up, and it turns out it's just a paparazzi guy. I thought it was going to be like the agent or something.
0: Yeah, no, it's just, it's just. What if Nedry from Jurassic Park was a paparazzo?
1: Yeah. Oh, that would be good casting too, Wayne Knight. Because
0: I mean, like they literally describe him as. Wearing a Hawaiian shirt and hat and shaved, and a fedora, hat and shaved in a <laughs> week, and was chewing on the end of a toothpick.
1: So he shows up and he's like, "Hey, give me, give me the hot goss on Cash." And Topher's like, "Hey, get
0: me, get, get me fun. pictures of Cash Carter." <laughs> and yeah, actually,
1: oh no, Topher does actually say that Cash left yesterday. I will not tell you what direction.
0: Yeah, like the paparazzo is like, "What?" Like I haven't heard anything about Cash getting on a plane. And Topher's like. Like I didn't say he got out on a plane. He just left. He walked into the wilderness of Texas alone.
1: Now here's the thing. I know. I know you're being super honorable, Topher, and I applaud that. But you're so. You should just lie. You should take the seven grand and then point in opposite direction and say he hopped on a motorcycle headed that way. Well, because that's the thing Cash would do.
0: See, the good thing is that his honesty is rewarded by the end of the narrative, <laughs> or his, I guess, just like lying by omission.
1: Yeah, but here's the thing. Cash would also reward lying by lying.
0: That that is true.
1: Like, hey, b- being honorable is wise, but if you can get away with a, if you can get away with being paid for a lie that will not come back to get you, you should do it. What's the, what's this paparazzi gonna do? Sue him for taking? Sue him because Topher took the bribe and gave him a bad tip.
0: I mean, this is America.
1: Yeah, which means I probably wouldn't be able to get away with it. Yeah, America, home of the capitalist.
0: This is true, unfortunately. Oh, oh
1: the teen—the teen at a gas station that you were bribing with thousands of dollars to tell you anything about a celebrity that you would believe at face value—gave you a bad tip. That's the cost of doing business, baby. <sighs>
0: yeah, yeah. Anyway, the like, like you said, Topher tells the paparazzo to go fuck himself, and this chapter ends with was like, wow, Topher had woken up that morning expecting to see some pretty scary carnivores by the time the day was finished. But he wasn't expecting the scariest one would drive a Prius. (laughs) It's like, okay, Christopher. (laughs) No,
1: that's funny. I want to hear more about Christopher's bad experiences with the evil Prius.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And then we get to the next day and... Cash wakes up in a lot of pain Very angry and asks for Silence in the car as he chain Smokes and chews weed gummies uh, All the way to the petrified forest
1: <laughs> And then when he gets to the petrified forest And he has a full on breakdown
0: Yeah because like I mean Look there's a non-zero chance that I Would have a breakdown when I get to the petrified forest But just be- that would probably just Because it's so cool Oh nature Yeah I do but Cash's breakdown is because Sam was reading from the plaque about, like, these are the fossilized remains of terrestrial vegetation stretching back to the Triassic period approximately 230 million years ago. And then Cash has a breakdown about a permanent memorial of death.
1: It's a certainty in an c- uncertain world. None of us even know what tomorrow will bring. None of us knows what's next.
0: Yeah. And everyone else is just kind of like, there, there, pat, pat. That's rough, buddy. And so then they just kind of get back in the car and they shuffle off to the Arizona Meteor Crater, which is, like, also really cool. And they're like, wow, let's take some selfies. And then as they're there, like, the Downers 4 get another phone call from the internet that is like, Oh no, WizKids has been officially cancelled!
1: Which is wild that this happens now, because, like, they were in pre-production of season 10, okay?
0: They'd already started stunt training.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Do you have any idea how much money the studio would have to pay out to the stars and the production crew and everyone else for voiding that contract? Because if they're already in season 10, they've already signed the season 10 contracts.
0: Yeah.
1: And somehow they thought this was a better financial decision than letting cash on and just canceling the show like at the end. Or even canceling it halfway through. Like, just say, oh, we had to cut your episode
0: number. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... (sighs) I mean, it mostly happens for the sake of plot.
1: It's more drama. I don't know. I think it, if if I was adapting this uh, as a mini series, I would maybe shuffle some things around some, a few of the order of operations. Yeah. Like, I think a similar drama thing could be like them announcing that Cash has been recast. Mm-hmm. A new Dr. Bu- Dr. Bumfuzzle has regenerated. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that would get them sued by Doctor Who for like intellectual property theft or something. Yeah. Oh yeah, and so they, they get back in the car, and everyone is like, so... And this this chapter ends with, apparently the Arizona meteor crater was only the second biggest impact of the day.
1: Chris Colfer, you should write for Goosebumps, because you have Sailor Arlstein <laughs> chapter vibes. You chapter know what? Vibes.
0: I think that could be good for him. I say go for it. <laughs> so they get back in the car, and they start to head out to the Grand Canyon. And everyone is like, so did you know that it was being canceled? And he's like, and Cash is like, I knew I wasn't coming back for season 10, but I didn't think they were going to cancel the show over it. And the downers, the downers four are like, it would have been nice to have just like a little bit of a heads up to like brace ourselves for the emotional impact of the TV show that our friendship was, was founded upon going to hell. And he's like, you're being fans first and friends second.
1: Yeah, which is fair from Cash. Yeah, like started this whole thing because he wanted to not have to worry about annoying people. Okay, no, actually, okay, Cash, if you wanted to go on a road trip and be treated like a human person, maybe you shouldn't have gone on the road trip with the people who were in the Phantom of the thing that keeps you yes. from being treated like a human person.
0: Yes. Yeah, you did kind of bring this on yourself, Cash.
1: <laughs> yeah, everyone, everyone is not being the greatest fan here.
0: Yeah. It is... No one is really, like, in the right. But there are ways to go about it that aren't being a douche.
1: (laughs) But yeah, Cash declares that he won't be with them much longer. As soon as this car stops, I'll happily leave the trip, so you're free to crucify and vilify me, just like all the other wizards out in the world right now.
0: And we haven't brought this up before, but we needed to clarify that the name for fans of these shows are Wizards. (laughs) W-I-Z-Z-E-R-S. Because Gleek wasn't bad enough,
1: Gleek is fine. Gleek is a normal word. Wizard. Yeah. There's whole old jokes about the Marvel character Wizard. He's bright yellow.
0: Yeah, oh god. Oh god.
1: There's also there used to be a like there used to be a section of the fandom that called themselves the Bumtrees because they shipped Bum Fuzzle and Peach Tree, but they mm-hmm. changed it to Peach Fuzzlers.
0: They changed their name to Peach Fuzzlers because previously
1: Previously on Kids, the Bumtrees sent a box of hair to one of Cash's girlfriends. Yeah. And said stay away from him.
0: Threatening her, yeah. And so the rest of the fandom changed the name of the ship to distance themselves from the terrifying group of kids in, like, Moose Neck, Canada or whatever. But yeah, so they get to the Grand Canyon and Cash immediately grabs the stuff and tries to storm off into the wilderness. (laughs) And Topher is like, yo, dude, what the fuck? And Cash is like, none of you have ever given a fuck about me.
1: What are you talking about? We've spent this whole trip giving fucks about you. When I carried you out of that warehouse, that was giving a fuck. When we delayed our plans to go to high tides, <laughs> that was giving another fuck. When we stopped on the side of the road so you could drive a Porsche, that was giving a fuck too. And now we're chasing your ass through a forest because guess what? We give a
0: fuck. Mm-hmm. And then, like, our Topher says something about, like, look, dude, I get that you've got a lot of stuff going on.
1: But our favorite show has been canceled. Yeah. That's the thing, is that, like, understandable that they're the, 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 the civilians are going through it too, but Topher is trying to, like, compare Cash has just lost his job and is target number one for a bunch of people who they've spent this past week no- learning are kind of obsessed with him. And And yes. Topher's trying to compare that to, but Cash, we just learned that our celebrities kind of mean and that fame isn't all it's cracked up to be and that the show we like has been cancelled. So it's been a hard week for us, too.
0: Yeah. It's very... You are 18 and 22. Your brains are not developed enough for this.
1: <laughs> yeah. Speaking of brains. Yeah. Well, we'll get there.
0: Yeah. Suddenly, Cash's head hurts, and he starts trying to dig for his weed gummies and his pills, and he finds out that he is out of both of them. And the pill bottle rolls out of his bag and to Topher's feet, and it finds out that it is OxyContin, which is a very strong painkiller.
1: Yeah, and Topher's like, oh my god, you're an addict. That makes you a bad person this does not make you a bad person.
0: No, no. And Topher's like, you've been lying to us! And Cash is like, no, you've all been lying to each other! And then he outs all of them.
1: Yes, he outs Sam as trans in love with Topher, and Topher as in love with Sam, and Joey as gay, and Mo as wants to go to Columbia.
0: Yeah, you know, the sexuality, going to Columbia.
1: Exactly. (laughs) For some people it is.
0: And... As everyone else is like, dude, what the fuck? Cash storms off in the direction of a group of hikers that they all saw earlier so that they can take him into town and he can get to a pharmacy.
1: I wonder if in that intervening time he also decided to, like, be a manic pixie douchebag to those hikers, too.
0: God, that'd be wild.
1: Hi, I'm TV's Cash Carter. Where are you headed? Let me join you. I'm gonna give you terrible advice over the course of the next 12 hours. Yeah... As the sun set over the Grand Canyon that evening, it didn't just mark the end of an emotional week or a terrible day for the four friends, but the end of an era for wizards all around the world.
0: It's like every chapter, Chris Colfer's trying to end it with a dun-dun-dun!
1: I want to see Chris Colfer record Power Rangers.
0: Oh my god.
1: You can just, half the time you can just hear the ba 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 <laughs> They then go proceed to on their seven and a half hour drive through Santa Monica, California, in yeah. dead silence.
0: Yeah, and everyone is kind of just like, well, Joey and Sam and Topher are still kind of processing the fact that their deepest that their, their deepest secrets have been revealed to their best friends. They. Intended to tell but could not figure out how to tell. And moe is just like, I need everyone to be friends and start talking again. Please, dear God, I need normalcy in my life.
1: moe is straight up like, listen, I'm probably over it already because my secret was way less important than all of y'all's. Yeah. But I still trust and care for everyone in this car. Joey, yes. I have always wanted a gay best friend. I'm not mad because you hid your orientation. I'm just upset because all of the will and grace opportunities we've missed out on. Sam, uh... it doesn't bother me. Okay, but listen. Chris is allowed to say shit like that.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Sam, it doesn't bother me for one second that you're transgender. I only wish you had told me sooner, so I could have felt ahead of the times. <sighs> only wish you had told me sooner, so I could have felt ahead of the times by smothering you with my love and support. And Topher, I don't care that you have always had a crush on Sam. The only reason it bums me out is because I always thought you had a crush on me. Did you want me to? Topher asked. Of course not. You're like my brother. It was just a nice self-esteem boost I get from time to time. I'll miss it. Oh, Mo. No. I mean, it explicitly states right after, the aspiring writer was not being as helpful as she thought. Mo could tell her friends wish she would just stop talking.
0: And then she doesn't stop talking.
1: <laughs> she does not stop talking. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is that this should only make us closer. Everyone has secrets. And now that ours are all out on the table, it should only make our friendship stronger. So we can just go back to being friends again, right? Are we really gonna let this put a dent in our friendships?
0: Please don't leave me!
1: And now everyone else is like, listen, we have bigger secrets. We're still posting this. Can we just leave each other alone for a bit? Yeah. And then Topher's like, now that WizKids, it's over. There's really no point in continuing a friendship that's not going to last. I mean... They're 18. Let them have this drama.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Evidence and refutation. This podcast. You can still be friends about things that are no longer on air.
1: Exactly. Oh, God, are they... Uh, Chris should write a follow-up book. Mainly because, again, I want to expand a lot of the stuff and a lot of the character stuff in this book. But I also, I want to see, like, the the Downers four come together and do, like, the recap podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> God. See, I feel like the thing, though, is, like, they wouldn't be able to do it because they've actually, like, you know, they, they met Cash.
1: <laughs> no, so, oh, what it would be is that one of them gets invited- it would be Mo gets invited onto a recap podcast, and then somehow it gets out that she was one of the people in that video- and then it's like 10 years later, the Diners four have to come back together to deal with the Phantom, which are still rabid.
0: Yeah. And so they they get to Santa Monica and they all agree, like, you know what? We're just going to take some time to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so they do. They kind of just like go their separate ways and they explore they explore Santa Monica. And they only see each other at the hotel.
1: Topher read online that the Kid sets had already been torn down, anyways, to make room for NCIS Boise.
0: God, NCIS Boise, that's inspired.
1: <laughs> and so, yeah, they just spend 48 hours wandering aimlessly through Los Angeles.
0: Mm-hmm. In a screen adaptation, this would be set to, like, I don't know, Breakaway by Kelly Clarkson or something.
1: No, because that's still a kind of uplifting song. This, it It would be set to break even by the script,
0: oh yeah, that's true, and so like as like on their last day in Santa Monica, Sam is just hanging out on, on the pier and like kind of processing everything, and then Topher shows up behind him, and they talk things through, and Sam is like, "Oh yeah, I went to the aquarium and I saw a movie, and I saw the promenade. What did you do and Topher's like, I've just been walking.
1: I got so many steps on my PokéWalker. walker." <laughs> oh no, Pokemon Go would have been out by this time.
0: Yeah, that's true. Because this is like still 2017,
1: I think. Yeah, it was still fun. Uh
0: (laughs) Uh-huh. And they have a nice talk. And Sam is like, look, like I get it. You don't want to be in a relationship or like be friends. Because just like MIT, I'm another thing in your life that didn't turn out like you expected.
1: And then Topher, king shit that he is, is like, well, why not? Why can't we try a relationship?
0: Yeah, he's like, I never said no, I just said, I have to get it through my brain first. And so so
1: his speech is, yeah, I wasn't avoiding you because I was angry, I was avoiding you because I was confused. It was a surprise finding out you were trans, but an even bigger surprise when I realized I was okay with it. I've always been attracted to girls, but there's only one person I can say I loved in that way, and that's you. The world is not black and white, and the people who think it is are the ones who always screw things up. I don't want to be one of those people, I just want to be happy, and nothing makes me happier than you, so what do you say? Can we try being great together? Aww. And then Sam says, but what if it doesn't work out? And then Tofu replies, then it doesn't work out. Even if we end up as friends, I can't imagine anything worse than not having you in my life. So I'll always be here for you for whatever you need, whenever you need. It's simple as that.
0: Aww. And then he's like, I've been practicing that in my head all day. I hope it didn't come across as too desperate or cheesy because I did really mean it.
1: <laughs> hmm.
0: I'm like, good, good. He's a good kid.
1: And then Joey also comes across them.
0: Yeah, Joey shows back up at the pier, and they're like, hey, we're making- we're making up. Come and join us in the hug of making up.
1: Yeah, and then Joey says, yeah, actually, I got to see, like, a live staging of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. A transvestite drew V's on my face and wrapped me in a boa? It was great. (laughs) Congratulations.
0: And they're like, yeah, we need to stay- like, let's all just stay friends, because we're all- we've all got long roads ahead of us, but at least we're not walking them alone. Yeah. And then- They all get a text from Mo, who's like, there is an emergency! And then they all run to Mo's hotel room and she's like, I will jump out this first floor window if we don't start being friends again right this instant! (laughs) And they're just like, okay. And she's like, she like goes on this long screen.
1: (laughs) It's the trope I love where it's like, Someone makes a demand and everyone else is like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And the person just continues making demands because they didn't catch that everyone agreed with her. Yeah. Look, I know we are, we're all going to use Whiskas to stay in touch. but Let's be real. The show sucks in season three. It might be the reason we became friends, but it's not the reason we stayed friends. We were just using it as an excuse to spend time together. And I'm not going to let our friendship end just because the show is. You guys are more than just friends to me. You're my family. Who cares if we'll all be separated from college? I want to spend the rest of my life with you guys. I want us to be together for vacations and holidays like Zac Efron's birthday just like a real family
0: oh thanks Moe Topher said yeah that's really sweet Joey said we feel the same way about you Sam said good because
1: my dad and my cat are assholes
0: So we need to promise each other that no matter what, after graduation, we're all going to move to the same city and keep this going. Topher won't have to take care of his brother anymore. Joey will be able to live openly away from his parents. Sam will probably have transitioned by then, and I'll be the only girl when we go out and we'll get all the attention. Everybody wins, but it starts right here, right now. We need to make up and be friends again, because I never want to live for another day without you guys in my life.
1: (laughs) And then she's kind of disappointed that they already made up and it wasn't her big speech.
0: Yeah. And then
1: the fireworks go off.
0: Yeah. So they go watch the fireworks. And as they are watching the fireworks, Topher gets an email from CashCarter.com.
1: Yeah, and he, he just says, Want you to know I'm in Phoenix getting help. Hope you guys can stop by on your way back, Said some things I really regret, and sends the address. Mm-hmm. So the next day, they uh, r- wake up early to start the journey. And Topher persuades them so to uh, add some miles so that they can visit Cash Carter in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. But he's the only one who, got, who wants to go in. Because everyone else is like, listen, we may have technically helped be the impetus that really submitted friendship together, but he was a huge asshole when he did that. So we have no interest in seeing this man again.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so Topher goes in and like asks for Cash Carter at the at the hospitality desk. And the person working there is like, we don't have a Cash Carter here? And he's like, oh, he's probably under Thomas Hanks. And they're like, we do have a Thomas Hanks.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then is K- really confused because he sees a large family sitting together in a priest and crying. Uh, another family who sits with a little man in a wheelchair who clearly has Alzheimer's or dementia. And Topher's mm-hmm. like, this is a really weird rehab. And the nurse says, this is a hospice facility.
0: Yeah. And so he goes to Cash's room. And he's like, I don't see Cash Carter here. There's just a really sick looking guy.
1: Oh no, this is Cash.
0: Surprise! It's brain cancer! (laughs) (laughs) Turns out that Cash has known that he's had brain cancer for two months. (laughs) Yeah. Like, this is in July. He started having apparently really bad migraines regularly in April, but the producers of WizKids would not let him take enough time off to go see a specialist until May. At which point he got an MRI. There was a tumor the size of a grape on his brain stem. And the neurologist and the, um, I guess, cancer specialists are like, we can try surgery, but it might affect your ability to talk. And he's like, well, I do love to talk. <laughs> and then, you know, like the options were like, like they might have caused other side effects like paralysis or like memory impairment. Or not get treatment, and you have maybe, you have a good three months left. And that was in May, so it was actually two months. And he's, it turns out that all of the acting out, air quote, acting out, that he's been doing is trying to make the most of the life that he has left. Mm -hmm. And that the most of, I'm saying, I'm saying most of, the mania and rudeness were just symptoms of you know, the brain cancer on his brainstem and the pills and the gummies and the pills and the gummies were medicinal and the alcohol was a coping mechanism. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, I personally, I'm like, you were still a dick.
1: Yeah, but the thing is, he knows that. Like, also, like, in yeah. back a few chapters when he outs everyone's secrets, like, the narration does say that like, Cash knows what he did was cruel and inhumane. Like, he's fully aware that he was an asshole. He's not doing this for sympathy. He's doing this for explanations. Yeah, yeah. And also doing this because uh, Topher asks, why would you want to spend your last few weeks with total strangers? And so Cash directs him to get a black binder out of his backpack. And Topher finds it and opens it up and finds a bunch of letters addressed to Cash, some handwritten, some printed off the internet. And he didn't understand the significance until he recognized the handwriting and saw they were all written by the same person. Holy shit. These are all mine. You've saved every letter I wrote to you. Mm-hmm. And Catch says, I promise it's not as creepy as it seems. When the show first started, you're the first person who sent me a letter addressed to me and not Dr. Bombfuzzle. You didn't act like the show was real. You didn't pretend I was anything but an actor doing a job, and you never asked me any favors. You just thanked me for the work I did and treated me like a person. I didn't get that very often. You were only eight when you wrote that first letter, and I was only 12 when I read it, but it meant the world to me. I had the companies running my fan mail on the website, keep an eye out for anything else you might send. It was nice knowing there was someone out there who knew I was just a kid, not a quantum physics expert. And <laughs> he goes on to say that he was kind of like Topher's therapist.
0: Yeah, because, like, Topher wrote to Cash about everything. Like, the day that he met Joey and Moe and Sam, and, like, updates in his life, and, like, what it was like going to high school. And Cash is like, they made me feel like I was a normal kid, and getting to live vicariously through your fan mail.
1: Yeah, and then Cash is like, Topher, you're my hero. Yeah,
0: and this is obviously very affecting for Topher.
1: So he bolts out to grab the others.
0: Yeah, and everyone else is like, okay, like, are we... And Moe was like, I'm so bored, I could die.
1: <laughs> uh, classic Moe.
0: Yeah, and then Topher reveals to the rest of them that Cash is, in fact, dying. Yep. And briefly explains what's been going on, and everyone else is like, Well, shit, now we have to go say bye. Yeah. And they all forgive Cash for everything.
1: Yeah. Cash is like, Hey, you don't have to feel that sorry for me. I'm on enough morphine to stop a herd of elements. Yeah. He also, like, they ask him why he didn't say he was sick, and he's like, No offense, you aren't the easiest bunch to break bad news to. Yeah. Uh, and then Cash also says that he doesn't want anyone to find out, anyone else to find out what's happening until he's gone. Which is a shame, because I love nothing more than to see the looks on all those assholes' faces when they find out they've been chastising Guy with cancer. It's gonna be a crow buffet! Yeah. And the reason he doesn't want to say it before he goes is because he just wants to spend these last few days in quiet.
0: Mm hmm, mm hmm. And so, like. And he also asks that the downers for promise to don't waste the rest of your lives pleasing other people, because if you do, you'll wake up one day and realize you've never really lived. Trust me, you don't want to learn that lesson the way that I did. And they're all like, we agree to this. And he's like, cool. Now I just want to have peace and quiet as I die. And he does.
1: Yeah, because they get there on a Wednesday. By Sunday, or by, by Thursday, he lost feelings in his legs. By Friday, it spread to his arms and hands. By Saturday, he wasn't eating and drinking. Sunday, he stopped talking opened his eyes. And on Monday, July 10th, Cash Carter took his final breath and peacefully passed away in a very quiet room surrounded by new friends. The actor had so little control over his life, but his death was exactly how he wanted it to be.
0: Yeah, and there's a nice little part about how, like, for the rest of their lives, whenever one of the Downers four think about Cash, they won't picture his character or him bedridden by cancer. They'll picture him driving the Porsche 550 Spyder. Pranking, peer-pressuring, and corrupting every naive angel he found along the way. He might have been a manic pixie douchebag, but he was their manic pixie douchebag. <laughs>
1: exactly. I think that so, has to be
0: the episode title.
1: <laughs> it really does at that point. On August 10th, exactly one month after Cash Carter passed away, tofer Joey, and Mo sat in the dining room of their favorite Chinese restaurant in Danner's groom, Cock with a Walk. I'm not sure if you are allowed to say that, Chris. Yeah. They were there to celebrate their final meal together before splitting up for college the following day and impatiently waiting for Sam to join them. They weren't only anxious because they were starving, but also because the day was the day Sam was going to come out to his mom and they wanted to know how Candy Wright Gibson had reacted.
0: Yeah, and it turns out that Sam's coming out went better than he expected. Or it wasn't as bad as he expected. Mm-hmm. Because his mom, apparently they had, there was a trans character on Grey's Anatomy, so now... Sam's mom considers herself an expert in trans people.
1: Actually, she was a little too okay with it. She made me listen to Lady Gaga's "Born This Way" with her like six times.
0: That's Chris Colfer right there. Yeah. Although, then also, Sam's mom does want to come with him to the clinic and get estrogen shots because she thinks it's like a spa. <laughs> As like Sam's getting tea. It's like
1: honestly, no. that would be great though. We should. We should, should not start making combination hormone clinics and spas. <laughs> really because, like, th- they got they got the hormone gel now, so you could get a deep tissue massage where they, like, push the hormones directly into your muscles. <laughs> We're gonna replace all that stress with tea. <laughs> now, here's the part that I really don't like about this book, is that, okay, yeah. so, let's keep track. Topher didn't really have that many huge issues to begin with, other than being in love with a friend. Uh, Topher White. Sam White. Has to come out to his mom. It all goes great. Joey. Mixed. His family has abandoned him. Yeah. The only person making an attempt is apparently his white mother.
0: Who is only meeting up with him when she is wearing a hat and a veil to disguise her appearance.
1: Which is a funny image, but is a little sus in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. It is also, it's cute that Joey gets to basically be bunk mates with Topher now.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But also that, and then couple that with the fact that uh, Mo did not make up with her dad. She just blackmailed him and said that if you don't let me go to Columbia, I'll put you in a home. Which is extremely disappointing because Mo. Not
0: just, not just a home. The worst home that she could find on Yelp.
1: Which is, that's just doesn't fit with the character because- No. Remember, Moe's mom died of cancer. So first off, she should be very closely tied to everything that happened with Cash. But also, I thought what it was going to be. I thought we were going to get an actual confrontation scene. Where Mo says, Dad, guess what? The reason I'm such a big writer is because of Mom. So me going to Stanford would be disappointing my mother. Yeah. And then maybe they would use that to, like, reconnect in some way. And I just think it's... I don't think there's any malice behind it, but I don't think Chris Goff was thinking through the fact that, like, the two white kids got the good endings with their families, and the two colored kids got the bad endings. Let me rethink that. And the two kids of color got the bad endings with their families.
0: I I have two thoughts about that. One thing is that one, well, one theory is like, I wonder if those scenes existed in an earlier draft of the novel and then just got cut. Or I wonder if Chris Culver was realizing like, okay, it is on, we are on page 288 of this 295 page book. I got to wrap up all these plot lines real quick.
1: (laughs) Okay. You don't go into a novel thinking, I'm going to make it exactly a 295-page novel. You just write it to see how long it is. Yeah. And if those were scenes that were cut, he shouldn't have cut them, because they would have made the characters land a lot better.
0: Yeah. And instead, it's just, like, it's just speed-running character development.
1: Yeah. But yeah, but everyone's like, yay, friendship, we'll be friends forever, and here's our situations now. And then they get a call from a guy and it's like, hello, I'm uh, Cash Carter's executor for his will. And I need you all to meet me tomorrow morning.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it turns out that in his will, Cash left them all, like, a lot of money. (laughs) Like, he left them each money for college.
1: Probably in the millions. Topher says, this is about three more zeros than I would ever need. Yeah. Mo says, where did he think we were going to school? Buckingham Palace?
0: Yeah. And so, like, they all got college money, and they each got another separate- another separate fund. Topher got a trust to help pay for taking care of his brother Billy. Sam gets a trust to help pay for his transition. Joey got the deed to cash his New York City apartment so that he can go have a place to live, so that he can go be a musical theater star in New York City. Mm -hmm. And he willed Mo the rights- To write his life story. And everyone is like, they're all still kind of shell-shocked when they leave the conference room. And everyone else is like, wow, I'm just so overwhelmed. And I'm just going to read the last two paragraphs of this entire book, which is, Despite her overactive imagination, Mo was just as shocked as everyone else. The aspiring writer felt like she and her friends were living a ridiculously happy ending, straight from the final page of one of her outlandish stories. Definitely not, Mo said. I don't care what Cash said on the first day in the car. Everything that's happened to us this summer, well, it's all been stranger than fan fiction. Roll credits!
1: Hey, that could be the title of a book.
0: <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> So what do you think of the book? I know we've been recording for almost two hours, but do you want to do a quick Over final wrap-up? I
1: two I think we're at two and a half hours on this thing. Yeah, We're almost, um, in, yeah, okay. we're almost
0: two and a half an hour. do so you want to do a quick final wrap-up?
1: <laughs> quick final wrap-up. In general, I really like a lot of the book. Uh, I, I'm glad Chris Culver was able to do writing therapy, getting a lot of his thoughts out of this thing. I thought the characters themselves were good. It was just that some of the individual fandom stuff and also the endings of some of the characters, they, like, they were bad in a way that sticks out against the rest of the quality of the novel. That That's why I kind of harped on them so much. He was like, the re- so much of the rest of this book is very good, actually. It's just like yeah. a few points that really spike on the Richter scale.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: and I wish it was longer because, again, I wish that he had explored some of the character stuff. And I think it would be a really good adaptation of like it would be make a really good miniseries if it were to be adapted because like because i want stuff expanded i don't want to just be a movie yeah yeah and in order to make things make sense they should have the grover downers four be uh, portrayed by unknowns and then cash carter can be played by the kid from the other two
0: sure yeah or like timothy chalamet or something like that
1: see at this one i think till
0: amy is too old maybe yeah make it be thomas brody sangster
1: (laughs) (laughs) he's older
0: Yes, but he has, like, he has been chronically babyface cast. <laughs> he doesn't
1: even have that much of a babyface anymore, honestly.
0: Yeah, true. But yeah, I, overall, I don't think that I will, I don't think I'll read this book again, but I did have a decent time reading it.
1: Yes. And like I said, I would love to see an adaptation for a follow-up sequel. Chris, it's 10 year anniversary in three years.
0: Oh, God.
1: It would. I'm just saying, it would be a fun thing to put out a sequel set four ten years. years later.
0: Four years. Hmm? Four years. It's 2023. It came out in 2017.
1: Oh, that's right. Well, he'd have to start writing it in three years.
0: Yeah, true. But yeah, it's
1: just, get get it out, get it out there. I think it would be yeah. fun to you follow up, because then we could catch up and see what the characters, see what's up, see if Sam is still going by Sam. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like, it's still early in his transition. It could be, like, five years through, he was like, you know, like, official, comes time for the official name change possibility. And he's like, you know what? I feel like maybe I'm a Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so uh, that's been stranger than fan fiction. Was it? I mean, technically speaking, I've read a lot of stranger fan fiction.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Nobody went Super Saiyan in this.
0: Yeah, yeah. This isn't like that one fic that I read that was supposed that was purporting to be Power Rangers Pride and Prejudice AU, and then it ended up just being like not that. Yeah, there was barely any Tanrek in it. <sighs>
1: I have to watch Cosmic Fury, and I need to decide whether I need to just rewrite Cosmic Fury, or if I just uh, jump the gun and write a different Sentai adaptation.
0: (laughs) I am still working on finishing watching Time Force and Wild Force. (laughs) So I got like part of the way through watching Wild Force, and then I got to Reinforcements from the Future, and I was like, oh, I should watch Time Force, and then I went back
1: You can also, my Morphin Grid guest spot came out today on the Patreon of this report. Hey! So you can listen to me talk about how uh, RJ is a faggot and Camille Slate serves cunt.
0: God, I... Did, did you actually try to say that on on Morphin I tried Grid? and succeeded. Oh, I'll be curious to hear what says. Well, I got
1: bleeped, obviously, but... <laughs>
0: well, yeah, yeah. Putty noise, I'm guessing?
1: Yeah. Serving putty in a grid-honoring way. <laughs> And on that note, I don't know what we're doing next week because we were originally going to think this is going to be a two-part episode. I don't know, Christine. Do you want to, Christina? Do you want to try and find something to do for next time?
0: We can figure out something to do next
1: time. Oh, you know what? Actually, hang on. Let me let me quickly check something on YouTube.
0: Taylor, I just I need you to know that I'm gonna I'm gonna go put that quote in the Morphin Grid channel right now.
1: Uh, yes. Hey, I just found a Ride the Cyclone slime tutorial. Do you want to discuss that?
0: Ride the Cyclone? Yeah. I don't know what that is.
1: It's a musical. All the teens are talking about it.
0: I still don't know what that is.
1: It's like a reverse Cats. Okay. You know how Cats is an essay contest on who gets to die? Yes. You know what? And was, uh, ne- Next week, Ride the Cyclone.
0: <laughs> oh, this is why I haven't heard about it. It's because it's set in Saskatchewan. Yeah! All of the Canadian teens are talking about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tune in next week where we talk about the musical Straight to Scratch Your Ass. But yeah, that's... What, what, do we, what do we want to say? And that's what you missed on WizKids.
0: I guess. Three, two, one,
1: and... And that's, that's what, what you, you miss
0: on WizKids. Kids.
1: Hashtag bump for lay I'm ending my recording.
0: Yeah.